If you enjoyed today's podcast, please be sure to share us and subscribe so you don't miss our next show. We'd love to talk with you again. Hello again, everyone. It's good to speak with you again. I'm sure you're looking forward to getting your weekend started, so let's not dally and jump right into the news this week. Our first item tonight is the presidential primaries and the results of New Hampshire's election. The second contest for the Republican nomination is in the books, and Donald Trump has won again, topping Nikki Haley 54% to 43%. On the Democratic side, in this first contest, the challenger, Dean Phillips, was pretty much crushed by the Biden write-in campaign managing almost 20% to the incumbents nearly 64%. The presumptive nominees are on course to satisfy said presumption and appear to already be shifting to a general election footing. Biden, seemingly impatient to begin, essentially called Trump the Republican nominee. Trump likely agrees with Biden. Hey, bipartisanship. For the challengers, they obviously hope to perform better. A win here would have launched their respective candidacies into significantly higher orbits, but they could not achieve escape velocity. For Phillips, he's in a tough position. Even though New Hampshire had no delegates to win as they were stripped by Biden and the Democratic National Committee, the hope for a symbolic victory was not rewarded. As the race moves on to South Carolina, the actual competition for delegates will begin. The Democratic ballot will include Joe Biden, Dean Phillips, and Marianne Williamson. South Carolina is also an open primary state, meaning registered voters, regardless of party affiliation, can vote in either race, but not both. The Democratic contest is February 3rd, while the Republican one will be February 24th. On the Republican ballot in this state, the choices will be Donald Trump, Nikki Haley, and two lesser-known candidates, pastor and businessman Ryan Binkley and former military pilot and entrepreneur David Stuckenberg. The dynamics of these open primary states are very interesting, especially in this race with two power brokers trying to assert their will over electorates who don't uniformly accept their candidacies. Both parties are fractured into pro and anti camps for the presumed nominees, so in states where a voter can speak in either, which party will they seek to influence? A person who doesn't want to see a repeat of 2020 can choose to vote for Dean Phillips on the Democratic ticket or Nikki Haley on the Republican one, but not both. In this way, it's Trump versus Haley and Biden versus Phillips, while also being Haley versus Phillips. The supporters of Trump and Biden are too far gone to sway. They are loyal to the candidates, even if maybe they are uneasy about them. For Haley and Phillips, though, they have a much harder sell, and with two such candidates competing at the same time, it threatens to undermine the chances of both to unseat the entrenched old guard. For Haley, New Hampshire offered a chance to beat Trump by courting Democrats and independents to get involved with the Republican primary in this open primary state. She did do very well with those groups. CNN exit polling shows her easily besting Trump with those groups. Among those identifying as Democrats, she scored 86% to Trump's 5%. No surprise there. With self-identified independents, Haley scored 58% to Trump's 39%. Among those identifying as Republicans, however, Trump was at 74% to her 25%. Three quarters of Republicans preferred Trump. Votes are votes, and those first two numbers are great in a general election, but Nikki Haley has to win the Republican nomination to get there, and with these numbers, that's not going to happen. 
Polls continue to show her walking all over Joe Biden in a general election, but MAGA wants what MAGA wants, and what they want is their guru, their cult leader, the orange man, Donald Multiple Indictments Trump. He's polling 40% higher than her right now in South Carolina. For the Republicans, Nevada is actually the next contest, but there's been some skullduggery there. There are actually two contests in that state, a state-run primary that Nikki Haley is in, and a caucus on February 8th run by the Nevada Republican Party that Donald Trump is in. The NRP has decided that only the results of the caucus will count towards awarding delegates, so much like Biden in Florida, Trump has already effectively secured Nevada's delegates. For this reason, Nikki Haley is skipping Nevada and focusing on South Carolina, saying, Talk to the people in Nevada. They will tell you the caucuses have been sealed up, bought and paid for a long time. That's the Trump train rolling through that, but we're going to focus on the states that are fair. This election cycle has shown many examples of parties colluding with candidates to stack the contests unfairly to the benefit of one candidate, which is going underreported and unchallenged by anyone except the other candidates who've been cheated. The decks are being stacked in favor of Donald Trump and Joe Biden. Donald Trump is not the president yet nor even the nominee, as much as he, the Republican leadership, and his fans want to spin it. But he's already throwing his weight around. The sackless GOP members in Congress are bending to his will already. An already contentious agreement intertwining Ukraine aid with border security between them and their Democratic counterparts has turned into a train wreck. The Senate has been in heated negotiations and working towards a mutually agreeable piece of legislation to continue Ukraine assistance and strengthen U.S. border security. But Donald Trump has a social media account and a persistent need to make everything about him. So he said his chubby orange fingers had happened. He cast doubt on the ongoing negotiations and things started to derail immediately. Indeed, the easy read on this move is the crisis weighs down on Joe Biden. If attempts to improve the situation in these various areas could be undermined, they will continue to impact Joe Biden in this election year to the benefit of Donald Trump. Would he prefer things to stay like this? Would he prefer it drags down his opponent in the election? Would he prefer it help him win the election so he can claim to be the hero? Of course, absolutely, and hell yes. Unsurprisingly, Democrats are not happy about this, with Michigan Senator Debbie Stabenow saying, if politics get in the way of this, if Donald Trump, who wants to help his friend, Russian President Vladimir Putin, with Ukraine and wants to keep the border alive as a major issue, if that prevails, that would be a really horrible disposition to all this. Republican Senator from Utah Mitt Romney agrees and pulled no punches when he said, I think the border is a very important issue for Donald Trump. And the fact that he would communicate to Republican senators and Congress people that he doesn't want us to solve the border problem because he wants to blame Biden for it is really appalling. He added, but the reality is that, that we have a crisis at the border, the American people are suffering as a result of what's happening at the border. And someone running for president not to try to get the problem solved as opposed to saying, hey, save that problem, don't solve it, let me take credit for solving it later. Another GOP senator speaking anonymously said this proposal would have almost unanimous Republican support if it weren't for Donald Trump. Senate Minority Leader Mitch McConnell now finds himself in a difficult position saying, when we started this, the border united us and Ukraine divided us. McConnell told Senate Republicans, according to reports, the politics on this have changed. McConnell is also said to have referred to Trump as the nominee 
and indicated Trump wants to center his 2024 campaign on immigration. Quote, we don't want to do anything to undermine him, McConnell added. We're in a quandary. A quandary? A quandary. No, you're a spineless toady puckering up to kiss the Cheetos ring to the detriment of an issue you and your Republican conference has screamed about for years. You are willing to and are tossing all of that aside for him. You don't care about the border. You care about retaining your position of power. You chose your side, and I sincerely hope the voters of the great state of Kentucky remember that the next election cycle and send you packing. And at that border... Texas Governor Greg Abbott continues his battle with President Biden of securing the border, specifically the Texas border. Tired of seeing federal authorities do nothing to prevent the overwhelming flow of illegal immigrants over the Texas border, Abbott had barbed wire set up on the U.S. side of the Rio Grande River and directed state authorities to deny access to the federal authorities. The issue was forwarded all the way to the Supreme Court that ruled that the federal agents could remove the wire if Texas ones wouldn't. Despite this, Abbott is not backing down, saying that Texas's constitutional authority, quote, is the supreme law of the land and supersedes any federal statutes to the contrary. He also posted on X, Texas's razor wire is an effective deterrent against the illegal border crossings encouraged by Biden's open border policies. We continue to deploy this razor wire to repel illegal immigration. He's certainly taking a stand on this. Does he have constitutional grounds? Scholars that I've read so far disagree, but the assertion that the federal government has abdicated its responsibility to secure the border is pretty solidly demonstrated. Factions are starting to coalesce over this situation. Candidate Nikki Haley, herself a former governor of South Carolina, sounded off in support of the efforts of the Texas leader to secure the state's borders. Haley wrote in a post on X, Governor Abbott is right. The state of Texas has every right to defend itself and its borders. She is joined by many sitting Republican governors who are publicly supporting Abbott. Yesterday, Indiana Governor Eric Holcomb released a joint statement with 24 other Republican governors in solidarity with Texas Governor Greg Abbott and his state's border policies. The governors said they support Texas's use of, quote, every tool and strategy, including razor wire fences, to secure the border. It continued. We do it in part because the Biden administration is refusing to enforce immigration laws already on the books and is illegally allowing mass parole across America of migrants who entered our country illegally. Despite his apparent lack of concern about the security of the border based on his actions in undermining the ongoing congressional negotiations when it serves him, Trump effortlessly pivoted to a complete opposite stance again when it served him by voicing his support for embattled Texas Governor Greg Abbott. He called on Republican-run states to send their National Guard troops to Texas to assist. Oklahoma Governor Kevin Stint has also suggested that three southern states, Oklahoma, Florida, and Tennessee, are prepared to deploy their National Guards. This brought predictable cries of the I-word, insurrection. For their part, some Democrats are calling for Biden to take control of the National Guard. Yeah, that should calm things down. Uh, another voice joined the chorus of Republican candidates and state executives, independent presidential candidate Robert F. Kennedy Jr. He wrote on X, Texas is right. Biden's failure to secure the border leaves states no choice but to take matters into their own hands. He continued, as president, I will end this humanitarian crisis once and for all. I will secure the border and destroy the business model of the drug cartels. A country without borders is not a country at all. It's certainly a powder keg of an issue. 
basically we have a pissing contest between a president and a governor. Every day it gets more tense. Every day more people breach our borders. And yes, every day some of them die trying. These are all unacceptable. I find it puzzling how the White House can talk about following the law when they turn a blind eye to the flood of people streaming across the border unabated. The feds sure found their work ethic when Texas picked up their slack for them, though, didn't they? If the federal government prosecuted the issue of an illegal immigrant invasion with the same vigor as they do Americans trying to do the job that's not being done, perhaps we wouldn't have this problem. At least Biden and Trump can agree on this issue. Let's do nothing. I liked dividing the show last time into two segments. I want to inform you without getting wound up, but the more I do this work, the more it affects me. As the saying goes, when you dance with the devil, the devil doesn't change. The devil changes you. And I can feel myself changing. Politics is very much an evil vocation, and as it gets on me like a viscous salve of hatred and lies, I want to rage at it. But I don't want to bring my peoples down with negativity, so if that's not your jam, I'll wish you a pleasant weekend and call you an Uber at this point. Talk to you next week. If you like my rage rants, however, stick around. This whole affair is just more confirmation that if Biden and Trump are the nominees, which at the moment looks inevitable, we'll be stuck with two candidates that consistently put their own desires before the good of the country. Neither of them is an unknown. We've had four years of each of them. They've shown who they are and who they really serve. Hint, it ain't us. They both would play games with the security of our borders to serve their own personal interests. Biden would throw open the border and let millions of people run across unchecked Chinese fentanyl in their pockets in an attempt to get votes despite the demonstrable negative impact on our country. Trump would, basically, do the same thing, for now, so he could blame it on his opponent in an attempt to get votes. He would then try to ride in on a spray tan smudged white horse, probably paid for by China, and take credit for any change to the situation that he so recently helped maintain. This is just one example of many of how they are unfit for leadership. They're the same breed of selfish asshole, just with different colored ties. And unless they can be headed off in their respective primaries or a viable third candidate can gain significant traction and stop them in the general, we are well and truly screwed. It gets exponentially worse every election cycle and the country is going down the drain at an accelerating rate. Look around your community. Inflation underperforming schools, out-of-control health care costs, crime, crumbling infrastructure, unemployment, homelessness. America is dying in front of our eyes, and what do we get as choices for the leader of the free world? A self-serving, corrupt old man with dementia or a... Hmm. Self-serving, corrupt old man with strong indicators of sociopathy and megalomania. We deserve better than this as a people. I don't care if you're a gun-toting, jacked-up, truck-driving, blue-collar worker. You deserve better than this. I don't care if you're an $8 soy milk latte-sipping, electric-car-driving, white-collar worker. You deserve better than this. Whoever you are, anywhere on that socio-political Venn diagram, you deserve better than this. Whoever you are, whatever issues matter to you, these two are not the answer. Please don't fall for this again. The cure to what ails our country and its people is, fittingly enough, its people. You are the answer. 
Reject the forces that seek to divide us. Reject the narrative that your neighbor is the cause of the struggles you must face. They're being told the same thing about you, and you know it's just not true. We the people are hurting, and it's up to we the people to help ourselves. Get involved. Start locally in your own neighborhoods. Get to know your neighbors. Come to understand who they are as individuals and help them understand who you are and seek to discover your common ground. Use that as a starting point to coming together as a community and as a nation in working together to heal America. The con artists and do-nothings in Washington cannot do this for you, nor would they even if they could. That's why they should not be treated with anything but suspicion and critique from the people they should be but are not serving. That's why they should be removed from their seats of power by an informed and mobilized electorate. You. Get involved. Pay attention to the news. Stay up to date on the issues of the day. Take the time to do independent research from opposing and competing sources. They are all going to spin it one way or the other. What do they all seem to be trying to not say? That might be where you want to look. Listen to the left. Listen to the right. Listen to the pundits. You don't have to agree with them. But the bullshit they're pushing informs you based on what the narrative they're trying to push is. Like, subscribe, and share encouraging podcasts. Hint, hint, poke, poke, wink. Talk to family and friends about the issues. Be considerate to each other and don't act like they act, the politicians. They have a vested interest in keeping things burning. We have a vested interest in putting the fires out. Get involved. Run for office yourself. We need good people filling these posts up and down the ballot. Why not you? If you're honest and willing to work on behalf of us, you have my vote. And I know I'm not alone. Vote. With that said, I hope you have a relaxing, enjoyable, and productive weekend, everyone, and I'll talk to you next week. That's it for today. Thank you for listening. If you enjoyed the podcast, please take the time to leave a comment here and on Podchaser. It helps us know how we're doing and what topics you'd like to hear in the future. Have a great day.